0: College basketball never disappoints. On Wednesday night alone, we had five overtime games, a coach getting ejected in the final two seconds of overtime, a player in a different game getting ejected for a punch to the gut, a second straight night with the top 10 SEC team losing at home to an unranked team, oh, and another team reeling off 38 points in the final 10 minutes of a game to erase a massive deficit. Oh, and guess what? It's bubble day. You are locked on college basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your college basketball content every single day. In particular, you everydayers, we're glad. You're here. If you're not an everydayer, we'd love to have you. Come join the Locked On College Basketball Discord community where we're getting together all day, every day, talking college basketball. As we get into February, you know you're going to want to be there. Come join us. The action is awesome. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit Fanduel.com slash LockedOn. To get started. Uh, A couple things as we get going today. Number one, congrats to Caitlin Clark from Iowa who moves into second place on the all-time women's NCAA scoring list. She has 3,423 points and is behind Kelsey Plum of Team USA fame who has 3,527. Caitlin could probably break that in the Hawkeyes next game. Also, as I said in the cold open, it's bubble day. I need to blow some more bubbles while we're talking here. Yeah, here we go. Look, watch. For those of you listening, that was real electric. I know. (laughs) Uh, February 1st marks the day that Andy and I designate as bubble day when we can finally start talking bubble talk because, you know, it's a month to March. Let's talk about bubbles. So that means up until now, we haven't allowed ourselves to talk bubbly things oh, but baby, it's time to get a bit bubbly up in this business. So that's what we're going to do. All right, let's start our show today in the SEC. Florida at number 10, Kentucky. Gators win 94-91 in overtime. This is the second straight day, back-to-back night's that a top 10 SEC team has lost at home to an unranked opponent. On Tuesday night, it was Tennessee losing to South Carolina. Now, not all unranked opponents are made the same. South Carolina, Florida, they are strong teams. In fact, we have South Carolina ranked in our Locked On Top 25 poll. For Florida, this is their first win over an AP Top 10 in like two decades it's their first quad one win of this season. That is critical for helping their tournament resume. Oh, by the way, speaking about bubbly language. Um, and on the Kentucky side of things, this is their second loss at Rupp this season already. You remember earlier in the season, they lost UNC Wilmington. So Kentucky, man, two losses in the last three games, if I'm thinking correctly, back to uh, their loss to South Carolina last week. And so... Um, Got a few things to figure out for Kentucky. And I, I, I think they're too good to not. And And part of the issue is that they haven't played a game fully healthy all season. In this game, no DJ Wagner, no Justin Edwards. Justin Edwards is less of a factor. But to me, DJ Wagner might be the biggest X factor Kentucky has, man. When he's on, the Cats seem to be rolling more typically than not. So I'm watching for him. But even with those things happening... Still, Rob Dillingham came off the bench in this game. Now, he played 39 minutes, but still came off the bench and had 20. So he's producing. I just feel like I'd probably have Rob Dillingham in my starting lineup. I've said that a lot. I'll continue to say it. And now there's been a lot of that through the years with Coach Cal at Kentucky, where it's like, why are the Harrison twins getting all these shots over NBA-like All-Stars? <laughs> right? Um, but that's what he's done. So, uh, who knows? Um, even still, even shorthanded those two guys, Kentucky had a 10 point lead with 70 seconds left in the first half. Florida goes on a little quick five Oh run to end the half and then extends it six more. So an 11 run in totality to begin the second half. But then man, y'all, the rest of the second half was played so Tight, and I don't mean like muscles tighten up. I mean, there was no more than a four point gap the rest of the way. I mean, it was great stuff. Really, um, really fun basketball. But unfortunately for Kentucky, it looked like Dillingham was going to be able to step to the line and basically ice the game, made one of two. So the cats were up three, didn't foul, I might add. Um, Walter Clayton Jr. gets a great pump fake out on the left wing, and uh, I can't remember who the Kentucky player was. And even if I did, I don't want to put this poor young man on blast. But great pump fake for Walter Clayton Walter Clayton Jr. to get him to fly by and buries a three to tie the game. Kentucky can't get a look. In fact, Florida steals the ball back and gets a look, and it misses. So we're heading to overtime in Lexington. I I just I didn't think that was going to happen great resolve from Florida to get this thing down to overtime. Um, and then once there, there just wasn't, wasn't much scoring. We had, you know, I mentioned off the top, we had five overtime games in all of division one on Wednesday night. And some of it, like we'll get to Purdue Northwestern here in a minute, but man, they had a bunch of scoring in that game in overtime. I uh, think it was like 24 points for Purdue and like 15 for Northwestern. 17 total points in this overtime, so not many. And, and the key shot, the key thing that happened in this overtime was Walter Walter Clayton Jr. hit another three-pointer that gave Florida an 89-87 lead, and they would not relinquish that. They kind of held on. They made it tough for themselves down the stretch, a turnover and things like that, but held on in Rupp. Big, big-time win for the Gators. Uh, look, anytime Kentucky plays... All I care about is going to look at Reed Shepard's stat line. Like, I am addicted to looking at Reed Shepard's stat lines. It's like a drug for me. This dude played the entire 45 minutes of this basketball game. 24 points on 10 of 18 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal. I mean, come on. I love it. I love it. I love it. Give me all the Reed Shepard stat lines for Florida, three different players with 20 plus points, Tyree Samuel, Walter Clayton, Walter Clayton, Jr. And Zion Pullen. So, um, man, you love this for Florida. You got to feel good for them. But again, for Kentucky, it's like, boy, going to have to get some things figured out there. Cause if, if the health is going to be off, it just feels like it's one of those seasons where they've not played a game fully healthy. And it's like, is that ever going to happen? So uh, Kentucky is just going to have to figure out how to do it shorthanded. Unfortunately, Um, you never like to see teams have to do that, but that's the hand they've been dealt elsewhere in the SEC. There were a couple other SEC games. Auburn took care of Andy, for example, no problem there. Um, Arkansas won at Mizzou. The game I want to get to is number 24, Bama at UGA. Now, if you looked at the beginning of this game, you would be shocked when I right now tell you that Alabama wins 85 to 76. Why is that? Because Georgia got off to a ridiculous start in this game, only frankly busted by St. Mary's start um, uh, uh, against Santa Clara on later on on Wednesday evening. But UGA gets off to a 17 to two start in this game. They led by as many as 16 throughout it, and in fact, with 10 minutes left in the game. Georgia's still led by 12, 59 to 47. Remember, I told you Alabama won this game despite trailing by 12 with 10 minutes to go because they go on a 38 to 17 run in the final 10 minutes of the game. That's just what this offense can do. I mean, it is wild what Nate Oates' club can do on the offensive end. Uh, it's just the defense hasn't been there. Mark Sears, Grant Nelson both go for 20 plus. Man, I talked about a Reed Shepard line. How about this Mark Sears line? 23 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. And he does that on 8 of 14 shooting from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, and 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Uh, Who did it better, Reed Shepard or Mark Sears? Love what both of these guys are doing, man. The SEC is so fun up and down, and the standings are wacky, and I am here for the crazy show, right? Alabama by virtue of coming back leads the conference at seven one. Otherwise they would have been tied with South Carolina and Auburn who are both six and two Tennessee's right behind at five and two. They're just half a game less. And then Ole Miss Kentucky and Florida are all tied at five and three. So what Florida has done here by their win is they get into a tie right there with the team that they beat along with Ole Miss And um, for Todd Golden's team, man, this is great, great stuff. You love to see it. Well, uh, we turn our attention from one overtime game to another one in the Big Ten, where Purdue, yet again, needed overtime to see what they could do against Northwestern. Did this one play out different than that loss in Chicago earlier this year? We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Hey, happy Super Bowl time to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Hey, look, if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about finding the best spot to sit, getting all the dips, all the chips, all the finger good foods, a nice drink, just hanging out, sitting down, and maybe even getting in on some of the prop bets because it's so fun, all the ridiculous prop bets that come out. But you can also just bet on the game. 49ers favored by a point and a half at FanDuel. But seriously, they got a bunch of other ways at FanDuel for you to end your coll- your college, your NFL season with a W. Not only can you bet on who, w- who will win Super Bowl 58, but man, FanDuel's got all sorts of lines for you. Like who's going to score a touchdown? What's the point total going to be? And so much more. So new customers, join today, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's move to the Big Ten, where Northwestern was visiting number 2, Purdue, on Wednesday night, uh, you might recall these two teams have already played. They played uh, the kind of kickoff Big Ten play. Purdue was at Northwestern and the Wildcats go Wildcats, by the way, got out of that one with a win. So Purdue was seeking some revenge and they get it. The Boilermakers avenge one of their just two losses on the season. I love these two teams playing this year. Both games have gone to overtime. Both team, both times the home team has won Purdue pulling away in this one, 105-96 in overtime. Y'all, I need the rubber match to this in the Big Ten tournament on a neutral floor, right? Like, give me that action. Uh, Like, maybe Purdue's the one seed and Northwestern's the four or something like that. Man, I, I would just love to see it. But let's not even talk about the game yet. We'll get there in plenty of time. We got to talk about Chris Collins here, who is an absolute legend. This man is ejected at the very end of overtime. I mean, there's like just under two seconds left on the clock if I was seeing it right. An absolute dude for going out in a blaze of glory in this thing. Let me just run you through it in case you didn't see it. and If you didn't see it, you need to go find this on YouTube and just watch Chris Collins uh, leaving the court it's glorious. Okay. So, um, uh, Purdue, uh, it like the game is basically over and, um, he comes out on the court while play is ongoing to like confront a referee. He's immediately teed up, ejected, gone, goes to the sideline. Multiple players are holding him back and you can read his mouth. He's saying, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And it's like, I don't believe you. I hear the words that you're saying. They're not true coach, whatever. Um, So while he's kind of being escorted off, he's going now in front of the Purdue bench. Looks like he's trying to be antagonistic. He's just trying to get over to coach Matt Painter to shake his hand. So even in his frustration and, and, you know, just kind of going off, he still has to go over, give coach Painter a shake. And then as he keeps on walking, he's uh, pointing out multiple Purdue players, thumbs-upping multiple Purdue players like, hey, how you doing? You know, just like, good game, great job, but it's not the handshake line. Spots Zach Eady down at the end of the bench, runs over, daps him up, gives him some love. Wild stuff. Then finally he runs over to the tunnel all the while, like pumping up uh, the, the, the Purdue crowd. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. You got to see it. Truly, truly incredible stuff. So what happened? What led to this. Well, uh, hopefully if you went to watch him leaving the floor, you also watched, uh, kind of the, the chunk of his press conference that was germane to what happened. He said, quote, I just don't know if I've ever seen a box score like that, honestly, and goes on to kind of talk to the media like, I know you guys have seen a lot of stuff. Uh, you've, have you ever seen anything this wacky? What's he referencing? It's the free throw disparity. You ready for this Northwestern did a great 75% at the free throw line. Six of eight. <laughs> Purdue. 29 of 46 at the free throw line. That's right. They missed more than Northwestern took and still outscored them at the free throw line by 23. This this discrepancy is wild, wild. 46 free throw attempts to eight. Ooh, man, that's something. That is something. Okay. Anyway, Chris Collins, great stuff. Thank you for making my night better. What about the game itself? Well, of course, Zach Eadie goes for 30 and 15 in this thing. 10 of his points were in overtime. But maybe the biggest thing that keeps happening for Purdue, man, is I love what Lance Jones is bringing this team. 26 points in this game. I, I just think his addition to this starting lineup is so critical for what Matt Painter has with Zach Eady and Trey Kaufman, Wren and Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer. And then you add Lance Jones into that, man, I I just, that might be the thing that seals uh, the way I feel about Purdue. I mean, Purdue and Yukon, right. They're just both in a different tier than everyone else right now. But how about Braden Smith? Homie, 16 assists in this game. And I don't know they went to overtime, but still 16 assists, ridiculous stuff. On the Northwestern side, as you would expect, Boo Boo has a great game. Ty Berry has a great game. They both go for 25 for Coach Collins. Um, And so great performance by the Wildcats on the road to force overtime, uh, but just not enough there in the extra period. Uh, And and part of this, too, is a Northwestern win would have really made the Big Ten standings interesting um, and would have given Wisconsin a two-game lead over Purdue and everyone else. But, obviously, Purdue wins, so they stay just a a game behind Wisconsin in the loss column. Uh, But for the Wildcats, even with the loss, they're holding fourth right now, just behind Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois. Um, And they're in good shape. Uh, You know, getting back to bubble talk, we don't need to talk bubbly about Wisconsin. They're, or excuse me, Northwestern. They're kind of sitting in like that seven-ish seed range right now. Um, But the Wildcats haven't, they're Big Ten Results have just kind of been back and forth between wins and losses. Haven't been able to string together more than two wins at a time. But kind of now's the time to do that. They're they're at Minnesota, then home in Nebraska, home Penn State, at Rutgers, at Indiana versus Michigan. I mean, you gotta think that that there's something in there where you can string together three Ws, and that would be just really, really big for Northwestern to be able to kind of cement what they're trying to do, especially getting some of those road dubs. Now, all this said about the Big Ten standings, do you remember what Purdue has next upcoming on their schedule? A trip to Madison, Wisconsin on Sunday. The top two teams in the league are going at it. I am very excited for this. We've had pretty weak Sunday slates lately. (laughs) This one's going to be awesome, and I can't wait for it after what's also going to be, by the way, an incredible Saturday of basketball. We have three top ten matchups in that one. And then obviously this fourth on Saturday as well. Oh man, things really did get bubbly elsewhere. We've got a six pack for you to close out the show. Mountain West is still continuing to deliver. Boise state did what they needed to do while a couple other bubble teams were on the wrong side of that on Wednesday night. We'll get to all of that in just a second. All right. Mountain West action. If Look, if you're like Isaac, why are we talking about Mountain West? If you've not been tracking with the Mountain West, you are missing out on some phenomenal and entertaining basketball this season. Seriously, go check out Mountain West, except for the games that they put on the Mountain West network thing that no one can access. So, thank goodness this game, Boise State at number 19, New Mexico, was on normal TV. Broncos get this win 86 to 78 over New Mexico at New Mexico. We had a player for each team get to 30 points. I love those kind of performances. Boise State's Max Rice gets 35, 35 points while Donovan Dent had 31 for New Mexico. Love it when just two dudes are going back and forth like this. Now look, this is a massive, massive win for Boise State. Um, We'll we'll talk more about kind of what it means from a bubbly standpoint here in just a second. Um, And, they held a lead for a long time in this game boise state did it wasn't some miracle road win in fact new mexico had been down since like 20 to 19 finally came back and took a lead at 49 48 um but boise state got it right back and then just clo- kind of closed the game and so really really good stuff there from them so now here's where the standings are at utah state still sitting at the top of the mountain west 7 and 1 but boise state just right behind Right now at six and two, followed by New Mexico at six and three. So Boise State gives themselves a little leg up here. And then San Diego State and Wyoming are both tied for fourth at five and three. So that's where we're at. Now, uh, we talk about this is where we're getting a little bubbly. I'm not going to blow it again, but here's my little bubbles. Um, Boise State was the last team into the field. And I don't mean 64, I mean 68 in Joe Lunardi's bracket. So they. Um, as of the last one, you know, are in Dayton. However, this win, this road win over New Mexico, that's that's going to be a resume builder. I mean, that's a great, great resume win for Boise State. And so we'll see what things look like when the net refresh refreshes on Thursday. Obviously, I haven't seen it yet, um, but you have by the time you're listening to or watching this, so you'll know. Um, but uh, critical win for Boise State. All the more so, you got to think they'll move up because there were two teams just almost directly ahead of them that both lost. Let's take Memphis first. Y'all, what is going on with Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers? They lose to Rice on Wednesday, 74-71 at home. Rice was 248 in the net going into this game. That's a quad four loss. You can't, you cannot do that. If you're Memphis, the Tigers have lost four straight games right now versus South Florida at Tulane at UAB. I get that one in a big way. And then versus Rice. So the Tigers have gone from 15 and two, four and zero in AAC play and looking really good in the standings. Like, wow, this, this veteran Memphis team has got something figured out there. Like I have, how many times did I say on this show? Man, I maybe uh, FAU is really not a runaway with the American anymore, right? Because <laughs> look at what Memphis is doing. Well, Memphis is not doing those things anymore, and so like, woof, boy, I I just tell you, like, it trying to look at at the American now and what it's doing, and it's not even that that Memphis has falling all the way down faU's not running away with this thing either and not because of anything they've done they're seven and one I get that whatever fine but Charlotte and South Florida are also both seven and one so we've just we've got a fun mess in the AAC and we're gonna have to continue to reckon with that um for Memphis though here's worse than the losses themselves. Two of these four losses that they've just suffered are quad three losses. And then obviously, as I said, this Rice loss is the worst of all. It's a quad four loss. Yikes. Yikes. Now, before uh, in in this same latest bracketology from Lunardi, which I think was out on the 30th, so it would have been, uh, what, Tuesday? um, Memphis was the top of the last four buys. I feel like they've got to come crashing down, maybe even switching spots with Boise State or at least – Dropping in Boise State, rising up. Um, that that looks real iffy now. Memphis has uh, got a very tenuous position if they're even in the bracket at all right now. So there's that. Now another game that helped Boise State on Wednesday night was Providence at number one. UConn Huskies win this game seventy-four to sixty-five, but. It's tough for the Friars. I mean, they're coming off that real um, emotional game this weekend at home against Georgetown, you know, Ed Cooley's first trip back. Um, and now Providence has to just turn around and go to UConn. They they held their own for a while. Providence had an early second half lead, but man, UConn just slowly pulled away in this thing. Here's my biggest takeaway from this game. Stefan Castle. Had 20 points, career high, first 20-point game. Uh-oh. You mean to tell me UConn already has everything they have, and Steph Castle's gonna stop start dropping 20-point games now? I mean, come on. Coach Danny Hurley is smiling as he goes to bed on Wednesday night because he is he knows what he's got with this roster. And I'm telling you, it's a great now. Again, nice fight from Providence. You love to see it. 20 points each from Josh Aduro and Devin Carter but they can't do it. And Providence was just slightly below where Memphis was in Lunardi's bracketology. So maybe they slide back as Boise State slides up too. Very helpful stuff for the Broncos there. Fourth in our six uh, pack here on Thursday, Baylor number 18 gets back in the win column at UCF seventy seven sixty nine. Same kind of thing. UCF had a lead in this one, but Baylor Man, they needed this in a big way. They had a three-game skid coming into this game. Thankfully, uh, they were not yet. They were, you know, how many ranked teams have lost on the road this year? I mean, it's been just insane and ridiculous. Thankfully, they did not fall into that kind of category again. But, I mean, to be fair, these three losses for Baylor in a row, at K-State, in OT by four, at Texas by two, And then TCU at home on Saturday in three overtimes by three points. So it's three losses in a row, but it's by four and two on the road, one in overtime, and then three at home in triple overtime. So, I mean, Baylor's just right there. And that's the problem with the Big 12. Everything is so close. The margins are so thin and you got to take care of business. But Baylor does in this one and will keep trucking fifth in our six pack. Let's go back to the American UAB at North Texas big time AAC game and oh boy is it another overtime. I love this. Uh kind of similar to what we said about Bama and Georgia. I'm going to tell you the winner of this game, but if you were watching the majority of it, you would laugh at me thinking I was wrong, but I'm not. UAB wins this game 82 to 79. This is a unbearably difficult loss for UNT they were up 17 points at one time in the first half they led the mean green did you ready for this for the first 39 minutes and 44 seconds of this game not only that they never trailed in regulation UAB literally never had a lead in regulation and they won basketball game that is brutal brutal stuff. But they lost the game. Uh North Texas did. Cuz UAB just stayed connected, they fought back and did enough to get it to overtime and then they won it overtime. I mean that I I'm sick if I'm going to bed and that's happened uh to me. And it was all the more so cuz UNT got a great look right at the end of regulation, but it just wasn't there. So um man, really good stuff for UAB to fight back and win this game. Uh, it's tough, tough for the mean green. And obviously that, that has ramifications in the American standings. Finally, from Wednesday night, Santa Clara at St. Mary's. Look, I came into this game. I was like, man, this is going to be a big WCC game coming in both. uh, I think Santa Clara just had one loss coming in St. Mary's undefeated and the Gales while the final score is close. A lot of these final scores have been misleading. Uh, St. Mary's wins 82 to 77, but They just blitzed this thing, 16-0 run to start it. uh, Ultimately, got up 44 to 22 at the half. It was ridiculous. Jalen Benjamin from Santa Clara got ejected for punching Mitchell Saxon in the gut. I mean, it's just like this game got real chippy in the first half, and understandably so because Santa Clara was being treated very poorly, and I don't mean like like Saint Marys would do anything dirty other than just scoring a ton (laughs) and that's what was happening there but to Santa Clara's credit they fight back they cut it to four with like 16 seconds to go and ultimately the final margin is 15 now you remember St. Mary's was struggling out of the gate this team was three and five and we're like we thought this team was gonna win the west coast conference or everyone predicted it at least anyway I was done with them you probably were too but now Since that three and five point, St. Mary's has gone on a 14 to one run, 14 wins and one loss in the last 15 games. So now they're 17 and six, they're eight. No, in the West Coast Conference, I still don't think it's enough um, because of what some of the losses have been for an at-large berth. So they just got to keep doing it in the West Coast Conference and then ultimately win that championship to make the tournament is what I observe as of today. Who knows as the resume continues to get built, but that's the problem with the West Coast Conference, especially now with no BYU in it and Gonzaga not being as strong as they typically are. That's just where we are and where we're at. All right, Uh, some games Thursday night. We're not going to spend too much time getting into it. And in fact, Andy and I probably won't unpack it much because on Friday show, we got to get you ready for a loaded, loaded slate of games this weekend. So um, that's great. Thank you so much for being with us on a Thursday. Again, come join the Locked On College Basketball Discord. It's free, and the link is in your show notes. If you would, subscribe to the show on video and audio. Smash the like button so we know you're here if you're watching on YouTube. Also, excuse me, leave us a rating and review five stars. Talk about why you love the show. It's so helpful. All right, y'all, as always, apologies to the Lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats, and until tomorrow, peace.